0: You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Well, happy Easter. I'm Father Sean McCain. I'm the priest of this church. Y'all, I'm so glad that you're here to celebrate this most holy day of the church's life with us. It's such a thrill. And we have a wonderful party afterwards. You're all invited to stay, even if you didn't bring something for the potluck. I didn't bring something, you know, but I'm going, so you're all welcome. Um, I know that today, with everything that we're doing, starting outside, coming and ringing bells, beating down the door, today is a little nuts. And we know that. It's not just maybe you for the first time visiting going, man, this church is nuts. No, we get how nuts this is. We get how strange this must be. But we didn't make it up. The church is weird because it's got this weird message. It's got this norm-breaking news that comes to us. Actually, a weird church in a weird Austin just kind of works. It makes sense. But if you feel like, man, this is a little uncomfortable, this is a little strange and not used to this, you are right in the sweet spot of the Easter mystery. This is exactly what's going on. And after all, I mean, we can admit, it gets weird when people don't stay in the grave, too. That's weird. It gets weird when God raises the Son of God like he said he would, but still it just is weird, so weird almost that we can't even believe it, just like these men. But the the weirdness of all these robes and the ceremony and the incense and the most giant candle we could possibly find in the world and this huge tank, the weirdness of all of this is supposed to disrupt the norm for us, the things we're comfortable with, the kind of humdrum of life that we've been going through. All of this, if it's weird to you, it's meant to disrupt all of those norms in order to show you one thing. We go to a lot of extent. I mean, the church has been celebrating like this for centuries, keeping it weird. And you know why? Not to be all fancy and have all the ceremony to make people look important or something. None of that, actually. But it is so that you, the faithful, and you who are maybe looking through the windows on the outside of the church, not sure about all this weirdness, that all of you would see the strange thing that God is doing. He's bringing about the resurrection of the dead. He's bringing about a new creation. He's setting the world on a new course of history following his risen son, Jesus. And that's super weird, but it's wonderful. Thank God he is. So in all of this, if you're not used to it, fine. But let this be a window for you to see and perceive this wonderful mystery that we have on Easter this morning. Well, I know that we've probably all heard the Easter story. I won't like cover all the familiar ground, But we've all heard this story. Jesus, the son of God, he comes announcing the kingdom, announcing something super weird and strange like the forgiveness of sins. Really? Canceling of debts? This message, it wasn't just weird, but it was actually subversive. It was insurrection. It was disruptive to the establishment. So weird that he ended up being captured and handed over to the government for a political death, basically, because this was so disruptive. They wanted to see this man die in public. But the government came back to the people and said, look, we don't, have, we don't see the problem here. This man has no fault. He's literally done nothing wrong. And yet the people, they pressured the government saying, crucify him, crucify him. If you were here with us on Friday, we did this. These were our own words. And so they crucified him. And the world thought it was over. But then three days later, God raised Jesus, this crucified son of God, from the grave. And it was the women, like we heard, like we heard read who came and saw this empty tomb first. It was the women who entered into this tomb going, wait, where's the body? All we see is linens. It was the women who were sent to tell the men this wonderful news. And they all, can I just like time out for a second? It's no accident that it was the women who got entrusted with this news first. Like, thank God he gave it to women because I don't know what the men would have done with this. But thank God that it was the women who came with this wonderful news to the eleven. But it wasn't just the news. Then Jesus, later, he appears in a locked room showing himself to the 11 disciples. He appears to a few that are heading out of town on a road. He appears right beside them. And he appears to 500 more people, Scripture tells us. Y'all, that's weird. That's super strange. It's so strange. It's so interesting. It's so important that here in 2019 in austin texas we're still talking about this resurrection event that's pretty important that's something right well okay that's the story but before we get carried away with all this like religious you know whip up or whatever i know that maybe we're all excited and that's wonderful i want to ask us two questions i just want to look at two things together how could we be sure that this is true have you ever wondered that i mean this is so weird and we can admit with the, the male disciples, like, I don't know, ladies, about this. I'm unsure about How can we be sure that this is true? It's a really good question. And the second one I want to ask is this. And if it is true, let's just say it is true. Why does it matter? What difference does it make? All right, I'm going to see how fast I can get through this. How can we be sure... That this is true i'm not going to cover all the bases i'm going to cover some of the biggies number one maybe the disciples really really needed to really wanted to see a risen jesus right and so they kind of willed this vision of jesus well this certainly wouldn't have not been the case because for the early jewish imagination in the first century resurrection was just like not a thing so much so that even to the greeks when paul went to the greeks and said resurrection resu- i've got this news of resurrection the greeks were like who is resurrection? Because you can't possibly be talking about the actual resurrection of someone who is dead come back to life. This didn't even occur to the Jewish imagination. This wouldn't have even registered. And therefore, it would be very unlikely for the disciples to even have wanted this so badly that they could have seen risen Jesus based on willpower. Okay, fine, Sean. Maybe they hallucinated. Fair enough. Grief does crazy things to us. Grief is really strange. It can cause us to hallucinate. I, I'm, not, I'm no psychologist. or I, mean, I should ask Christy and Nathan. I don't know how this works. But I'm sure that in grief, hallucination is like not too far-fetched. Maybe they hallucinated. But all of them at once? Hallucinating? I, again, I don't, I'm not an expert in this field, but I don't think a mass hallucination to 500 people of the same person in different locations around the same time is a thing. I don't think that happens. Seems highly unlikely that this would just be a mass hallucination. Okay, maybe that's unlikely. How about this third one? Maybe it's a myth that's spread about Jesus coming back to life. Myths are super powerful. They're extremely powerful, especially in the first century. But check this out. I don't think it's likely that this would be a myth because these fishermen were the same fishermen who around a fire, that same fire that we were at, denied that they knew Jesus to a little girl because they were afraid. I doubt that these fishermen, if this was a myth, would go and end up laying down their lives being tortured and killed for this if it was just a myth. I'm sure these guys needed something anchored in fact. Seems unlikely that this would just be a myth. Not only that, but by the way, if this was a story that the first century made up, they would not have put this news in the hands of women, because women weren't even credible in the court of law back then. You would not want to make a story and give this news to women, you'd give it to men. Because the women couldn't be trusted, they thought. It's very unlikely that this was just a whipped-up myth. Okay. Fair enough, Sean. This is really persuasive. You're, you're winning here. I don't know. Number four, what if Jesus fell into a coma? Just like a really deep sleep. What if he fell into a coma? Well, if he did, he would have been trapped in the tomb, unable to roll the stone away. He would have died anyways. No one would have known he was in there. Okay, that was easy. How about this? Okay, this, this is probably pretty persuasive. This is just a spiritual thing, like a spiritual event that the early Jews, they just, they just needed, let's just give this to them. They needed the spiritual event. If this was merely a spiritual event, meaning Jesus's physical body wasn't resurrected, but for religious purposes, this was super important, then you know what we would most certainly have would be a box of bones somewhere and a shrine of Jesus's remains. Most certainly. You know why? Because every single major religious figure in that time, including Jesus' as the disciples, have a box of bones in a shrine somewhere. If his body was not raised, we would have it somewhere, certainly. So those things are maybe a little less likely. There's no box of bones. That's interesting. Well, personally, I think the most clear-headed, the most intellectually responsible explanation for the accounts that we have throughout history from the accounts from non-Christians and non-Jews, all of the reporting that was going on at the time, the effect that all of this news had throughout history is perhaps maybe he really did raise from the dead. Think about this. There are so many things right now in your seat that you believe actually happened in history with total certainty. Civil War, World War II, 9-11, there's so many major historic events that you all didn't maybe personally witness, but you believe with certainty, right? And those events have less detail, less secular testimony, less documentation, less support than the resurrection event of Jesus Christ. No doubt, pick any historic event you've ever read about. The resurrection of Jesus is easily more widely supported by manuscript evidence from the first century and thousands upon thousands of copies that if something was corrupted or copied wrong or omitted, that these thousands of copies spread out throughout the world would have actually corrected themselves. And that's actually the science of how the Bible is constructed. These written accounts, they stand more scrutiny, scientifically speaking, than any other text or account from all of first century antiquity, these accounts of Jesus' resurrection. And this account is translated into more languages and distributed to more parts of the globe than any other story in all of human history, ever. That's fascinating. That's something, right? Okay, so there's some facts. You might say, okay, fine, Sean. This is a really important story. I get it. It's been widely distributed. It's a New York Times bestseller. We get it. But still, this is super weird. I don't believe people are raised from the grave. Y'all, we can handle the kids, right? Y'all, we can handle it. Come on. You might say, this is just too much. I know, I get it. I still can't believe that people that are dead come back alive. Fair enough. I actually really respect that. I want to say that. I respect that. But I want you to acknowledge that that position, I just can't come around to people being raised from the dead. That position is a matter of choice about something you do not expect. But it is not a position that is built on the evidence of scientific historiography and ethnography throughout the centuries. It's not a position that's actually taking the account of scripture seriously and trying to come to grips with making sense of that. It's a position going, this is weird, and so I can't believe. I wanna push on that a little bit. And look, I'm not throwing science out the window at all. I have a bachelor's of science in engineering. I get how science works. I get how the scientific method works. But the Christian story is saying something way more than what science and history alone can explain in their own fields. The resurrection of Jesus, it transcends, but it also includes history. It includes science. This is an event that actually happened in history, in the natural world. And yet radically broke the norms of all of it. The norms of the status quo for the normal life and death. And yes, even the norms of what you might expect to be reasonable. This challenges that expectation. But friends, this is the whole point of Easter. To be disrupted, to be shooken up a little bit, to to realize something that maybe you had no expectation was going to happen and you still wrestle with believing in this. But if you know anything about Jesus... You know that this is totally in keeping with who he is. He did things that disrupted norms like crazy. He included the outcast. He healed those that people wouldn't even touch. Everything about Jesus was challenging the norm, was setting history on a new course towards God's new plan. So why does the resurrection of Jesus matter then? In the reason Jesus, you and I, we share in a new life. A resurrection life, a life in which we receive the Spirit of God and are led into a totally different way of doing life, the the way life was actually meant to be done in its fullness. And this is really true and wonderful, but there's a bigger picture than just the benefits that you and I get out of this in the resurrection life that I want you to listen to. There's a bigger picture of what God is doing in all of creation. The whole of creation God is dealing with evil and death. He's putting away sin and captivity. He's releasing all of creation into its God-given purposes through the resurrection. It's not just a personal benefit. It is a cosmic change, a new creation. God is doing something new. It's easy to put our, our hopes today in, in things like progress or maybe like, Lord, please improve our political discourse. Um, maybe I'm just going to buy some more self-help books. I can, like, I can improve myself a little bit more if I just knew a little bit more. More tech, more education. This would make humanity better. This would make society better. This would make the world a better place to live, right? These are all wonderful things, and there's some truth in that. But all of those things will always come short of dealing with the one problem that only Easter can deal with. And that's evil and death and sin. The last 200 years, our myth of progress and improved political discourse, which I don't even have to point out at this point is like awful. Our our myth of how we think, you know what, with a little bit more education, a little more tech, we can make this place pretty nice, right? That myth... the last 200 years has left us with the worst world wars humanity has ever seen. In fact, for our country, non-stop wars even recently. Death camps, ethnic cleansing, apartheid, slavery, systemic racism that persists today, mass shootings in schools and in public, child abuse, human trafficking, pornography. I could go on and on and on and drag this into the darkness of our world. Progress doesn't stop this kind of evil. It doesn't deal with it. It can't even define evil. However, the resurrection of Jesus, it reveals what God intends to do about evil in this world, once and for all. Like nothing else can, actually. It intends, the resurrection, when we look at it, we see God's intention to rescue the goodness of creation. God in the resurrection is going to rescue the goodness of humanity, to restore human beings like you and I into our image, into his image that he originally created us in, purposing us for this good life that he has for us. He plans to deal with death and evil. Not to cover it up, but to trample over death, to take death, so to speak, behind the woodshed and take care of business, which is exactly what Jesus has done in the resurrection. Nothing else can do that but Jesus. All of this happened in a real death. Listen, friends, this is so important. This is about a real death. A real resurrection that occurred in human history. And it's so important that it's real. You know why? because it's res- rescuing real people real stuff real material bodies our own children this whole created world god is rescuing and he's starting this rescue in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so we if you have a real life maybe if some of you don't i don't know if you have a real life god's plan in the resurrection is to rescue that life to redeem it to bring it with him into this new creation that we find in his kingdom. This is the good life that we have in in God, friends. This good life, this new creation is for you. It's for your families. If you need hope this morning about how your marriage is going, there's nothing like the resurrection that can give you a new hope and a new creation in your marriage. If you're struggling with addiction or pornography or you're struggling with some sort of like hidden sin that nobody knows about, there is no hope for you like the resurrection of Jesus. The thing you cannot overcome and you struggle again and again, I want to get my life right. I need some help. There is nothing for you like our hope that we have in the resurrection because it actually it has very little to do with what you're doing. It has everything to do with what Jesus has already accomplished. If he can overcome death and the grave and be raised to life, and he includes you in that new life march, what else can he not accomplish in your life? What is too big for him to rescue from your own darkness? Let me just answer. There's nothing. There's nothing else that Jesus can't rescue. That's what Easter's all about. So if Jesus really did rise from the grave and he's still alive, all of our doubts All of our reservations, all of our sin and our darkness in our lives, all of that can be put on hold because Jesus is going to deal with that. And our lives can be redirected, not according to our own hopes and our own plans, but our lives can be redirected toward this new creation that we have in Jesus, this new plan. All of us cooperating with the creative goodness of God as he unfolds this resurrection life not only in this church and in our lives, but also in Austin and in the world. Friends, I hope you can see this isn't some small little, like, religious ceremony in some, like, church theater, you know, or like, wow, that was pretty awesome, Like, when are we going to have the party and have some beer? I hope that you can see the reason we party the way we do, the reason this is so over the top is because fundamentally our posture toward all of reality has to now change because the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. We have to see that, and only Jesus can give us eyes to see that. If we get this, baptism makes sense. It makes tons of sense. Being united with Christ in his death and resurrection, becoming a new creation. Why? Because God said so. He said new creation. He spoke you into existence in the first place. I'm sure he can do the same again in baptism. If we get this, Eucharist makes sense. It's not just some sort of weird little like wine and wafer event up here, but this is the feast of the new creation that now comes to us that we get to share in. If we get the resurrection of Jesus, our whole life takes on a new posture, a new imagination to see the work that God is bringing about in this new creation. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.